All right. So before we get into the podcast, I just want to drop on two quick ads and pay the bills. My name is Chio Dogu. I run a digital marketing agency based right here in the GTA. We do everything from helping clients launch podcasts, getting entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and speakers booked on podcasts as celebrity guests, creating lead generation campaigns for local businesses using Facebook ads, Instagram ads, LinkedIn ads, and YouTube ads. We also create landing pages and online funnels to help local businesses, entrepreneurs, and big businesses turn clicks into customers. If you're struggling to generate leads and grow your business, hit me up at info at odogwu.com or you can get on my website at www.odogwu.com. That's www.odogwu.com. I'd love to hear from you guys. Let me know what you're thinking. And with that said, let's get on with the show. Hey guys, welcome to another exciting episode of the GTA Business Titans podcast. My guest today is Lauren Waldman. Lauren is the founder and lead consultant of The Learning Pirate. Her role at The Learning Pirate is to teach executives, entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and experts how to learn better using neuroscience and the natural advantages of the brain. She's a trainer, designer, facilitator, speaker, mentor, coach, and self-proclaimed pirate. She has over 16 years of diverse experience in every field of education. In addition to all that, Lauren is a certified training and development professional. She has a certificate in neuroscience from Harvard. She also has a certificate in medical neuroscience from Duke. She's a designated communications coach and trainer, and she's also on the advisory board of the National Communication Coaching and Association of Canada. So I'm pleased to have her on the show today to tell us a little bit about herself, her experience, her background, and of course, the learning pirate. So with that said, Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Chi. Wow. I mean, hearing hearing you describe me is such a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite all right. It's well deserved. You know, it's your background, you know, it's your accolades and your success. So of course, everything has to be in your bio. It's who you are now. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So Lauren, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started as a learning pirate. Walk us through that um, biographical story of how you got to where you are today. It's really, it's one of those stories of accident, mm. um, how, I, how I got into this profession. Um, you know, I, I sort of found, I, I went through the typical Canadian school system, went to university. Um, I was on course to be a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and my last year, when I was just about to graduate, a friend of mine had moved over to Japan to teach ESL. Um, and this was when it was still really sort of relevant and hype to, mm-hmm. to travel to different countries to teach. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I've never done that before. Why not? So I moved uh, when I was 19. I moved to Tokyo mm-hmm. and I uh, was only planning on being there for a year. And I just fell in love not only with the country and the culture, but I discovered a love for teaching. Okay. So that's uh, that's where it all started. And as my teaching career progressed um, and I started dealing more with business clients, um, I just realized that. I wanted to take the business side of me because I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family mm. and merge it with the teaching side. And when I came, finally came back to Canada, um, I became one of the trainers for teachers. So mm-hmm. I brought that career full circle. And then I really decided, you know, I didn't want to go into the school systems um, and be a, you know, a conventional teacher. There's nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I said, okay, well, let's see what's out there. And that's when I saw, well, I can be an adult educator and I can be a designated trainer. Mm-hmm. And I started working towards that. And it's been, you know, 16 years of accumulation of working literally all around the world. I've been very fortunate. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm really fortunate to have learned not only from educating myself, but I think the the advantages you get from working across so many different industries in so many different countries really broadens the spectrum of, of how you approach someone's business from completely different sets of eyes. Mm. So fast forward uh, a little bit more and you know, I was, I had returned to Canada yet again, because um, I was in and out of the country quite a bit working. Mm. And I uh, was sitting at a very good position. I was the director of learning for, for a very well-known, um, you know, fortune company. And there was something missing. Okay. And I wasn't really sure what that something was. And I remember I had gone to uh, the annual conference for training development professionals here in Toronto. And that is where I met my mentor. Okay. And she blew me away because it was the first time I had heard anyone speaking on the topic of neuroscience in relation to learning. Okay. And from that moment on, it was, I think it, there was just, there was more than a light bulb that went off. It, it was like a whole light show. <laughs> and, um, and I actually wound up quitting my job and decided that I understood that there is a value to understanding how the brain learns. Mm. And the only way that I could do that, you know, was it necessary for me to quit my job? No. But was it necessary for me to go back and be the student again? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's when um, I decided to go find some courses and I found the fundamentals of neuroscience, which was being offered by Harvard. And it was so difficult. It was so incredibly difficult. And as my learning journey started is when I came to realize that I was going to become my best case study. Mm. I was going to become my own experiment of how I understand how the brain learns because when the brain is taking something in that's new for the very first time, number one, it instantly resists. Okay. It instantly goes, no, thank you. I'm not interested in learning this. I'm comfortable with what I already know. Mm-hmm. And because I never had a science background, I had nothing to attach this new learning to. Mm. So within probably the first three months, um, there was a lot of times when, you know, as a learner, I was like, I felt I was very much in over my head. Mm -hmm. I couldn't really grasp what the professors were trying to teach me. And it was a challenge to keep myself motivated to keep going. But I knew that there was value 100 percent. Now, it's interesting because I finally get to, you know, things start flowing and I start understanding what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And you fast forward almost a year later when I'm just at the end of the course and I'm hovering over my mouse because it was the last exam that I had to take and I was terrified that I was going to (laughs) fail. And all of a sudden I see, you know, you pass show up on my screen and this monster yar came out of my mouth. <laughs> and I know it sounds a little ridiculous, um, but this whole pirate theme has followed me my, my entire life for mm. some reason. And that word is, you know, as people have gotten to know me, it's, it's a word that I use quite often. And it was usually in agreement with something or my way of just, you know, joining in conversation. But when it came out that day, 
and it came out so so boisterous and loud. I literally sat on my couch and asked myself, I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, why do you say that? What does that mean? And that's how the learning pirate came to life because mm-hmm. sat there and had to think about what does that actually mean to me? I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, it's an acronym for me that stands for you are really ready. Mm. It was the moment. It was the moment that I'm like, oh my God, I know what I've learned. I'm confident. I can feel it. I am ready. I'm mm. ready to go back and transfer this and, and to really elevate my career. Mm. That moment on, the learning pirate existed. Mm, that's a that's a very, very interesting and awesome story. And you shared a lot in there. So yeah. I, I want to start unpacking a few things. So before we get to the pirate journey. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about neuroscience. Now, when somebody talks about neuroscience, you're thinking about, you know, the brain science and maybe even neurochemistry, you know, the the um, chemical imbalances in the brain and whatnot. But when you said that when you were trying to learn neuroscience and you were getting resistance, that's, that's the same thing that everybody goes through, you know. If you get into college, you know, one-on-one class, whatever it is, it's going to be very difficult, even though it's a one-on-one class. I face the same challenges, even though I graduated three years later and I did okay. But whenever you step into a new class, you feel overwhelmed. You feel like, man, I, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know what is going on here. It sounds like Greek to me. But then you persevered and you persistent and you learned that you know neuroscience has its own principle and the brain itself before it takes something in it has its own way of processing it so walk us through that process of how neuroscience what exactly it is and then how does the brain adapt and learn and take in new information so there's so i think the the first place to start is to understand that, you know, so neuroscience has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's the evolution of it and the the relevance that is really just coming to life in the last two decades. So, you know, when we look back in in time and history, you know, neuroscience goes as far back as um, the Egyptian times, only, you know, the Egyptians, they they didn't, they didn't really care about the brain. They, Mm. They would pull it out and throw it away. They were, they were more concerned about the heart. Mm-hmm. But we moved forward in history and, you know, during times of evolution where people were then, you know, the thought thinkers of Aristotle who then started asking those questions mm-hmm. and, you know, phrenology came into, into play. That's when people started really paying attention. Okay. Now, when we come into modern times, I think what's really important for, you know, for listeners and, and for people to understand is that the neurosciences, as far as the science goes, it's still pretty new, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I'll give you this fact that might sort of put things in perspective for people. So it was, I believe the 1992, so not too long ago, we're still going a couple decades back, but 1992 was the year that the first fMRI machine was put into action. So that was the first year that we were actually able to scan the brain. Okay. So that really opened up and there's so much going on in there. We're talking billions of connections. So that's really when it opened up to start looking very distinctly at the different parts of it and to really try to figure out what it does. So we're still in this evolution. Now, neuroscience, you know, there's so many different aspects of neuroscience. You Mm. go from my perspective, I definitely, I focus in on the learning brain and the parts of which are engaged with that. But Mm. 
So neuroscience is also being used to understand diseases like Alzheimer's mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and Parkinson's disease. Um, you know, when there's injury, when there's, you know, injury to one part of the brain, how does that affect that part of the body? And it's an amazing diagnostic tool mm. that we've really sort of underestimated for a long time. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's only three pounds that we carry around in our head, but yeah. It controls everything that we yeah. do. <laughs> um, so when it comes to, to the learning brain, uh, you know, what I've discovered is there, you know, let's let's debunk some myths. Okay. So learning has really changed for hundreds of years. You know, we said that the school systems were set up and it was very lecture style. Like you were saying, you go in, you sit down, you feel a little anxious and, you know, then you get going. So when it comes to learning, we haven't thought about it from the source of the brain. We've thought about it from the source of the learner mm -hmm. where we've gotten things like learning styles. So mm -hmm. people, what's your learning style? Well, I'm a kinesthetic learner. Yeah. I'm a childer. And neuroscience has now said and proven, Hey, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as just one type of learner. Okay. Because we don't learn with one part of our brain. We learn with multiple parts. Of okay. Our brain. So the interesting parts, you know, so let, let's, I'll take you on a quick little journey. I'll take the listeners through a quick little journey. Okay. So if you imagine that there's a piece of information and your, you know, your information comes from your experiences, from your external environment, mm -hmm. you think about something entering into the sort of the front of your forehead. Imagine a small little spaceship going right into the front of your forehead mm -hmm. and that ship is carrying some new knowledge. The first place that it's going to go enter through is that front part of your brain is called the prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. And that's really your executive center. That's where like everything goes through and kind of gets divided off. Then we're going to take a travel every sense except for smell, which I, which I don't have the reasons for, but every sense except for smell goes through a, part, a small part of the brain, but the size of a small plum called the thalamus. And what the thalamus does is it acts as your dispatcher okay. or your relay center. And it says, okay, this is what this is. It goes to this sensory system, or this is what this is. It goes to this sensory system. So, and there's more and more involved in this as far as, you know, where we're going and where, you know, cause you can learn motor skills, you can learn communication skills and there's all different sorts of, of you know, parts of the brain that are going to play a part in that. Mm -hmm. So when we look at that, you know, old statistics that say, Oh, well we only use about, you know, 20% of most of our mm -hmm. brain every day. And yeah. my response to that is, well, can you imagine what the world would look like? <laughs> if only used I think that's where they got, you know, you know, the, the zombie movies from because okay. that's that's what it would look like. <laughs> mm. So there is a lot going on when we're learning something new. But to your point and to what I was saying, the part that says no thank you, the part that says, oh, I'm not so sure about this, is your emotional center. Okay. And your emotional center is that part where, and this is really cool because it's, you know, for instance, when you meet somebody for the very first time, the brain does this. It looks at that person and goes, okay, um, do I want to fight them? Do I want to mate with them? <laughs> Am I indifferent to them? Or do I need to run away from them? Mm. So when you think that those are your instincts, 
And then you translate that to a new learning experience. Well, those instincts still come to life. Mm. So all that happens on a subconscious basis because I don't think you're consciously aware that your brain is going through that selection and sorting process. Not even close. Mm. And it's, you know, when you think about um, the way that the brain, think about your name. Okay. This is a really simple example. Think about your name. Now, when you're going, your brain chunks information together. Mm -hmm. And this is a really cool thing about learning is that when you chunk things together, you can, you just compact them into, you know, easier storage spaces. So when you tell somebody your name, you're not spelling out your name every time. You're not going, Oh, my name is L A U R E N. Mm -hmm. No, you say my name is Lauren. Because your brain has got the information of the letters and has put that together so it's more compacted. Mm. And that's what your brain is constantly doing when you're learning. It's, it's trying to chunk things together, but it's going through all of the years of experience that you've got to mm. see where can I find something that makes sense that okay. I can put together with. Okay. So a lot going on. Mm. And then we've got memory, and that's a whole... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, memories of all other beasts. Okay. So we now understand the neuroscience of the brain. Now we talk about the piracy aspect. Now, when I think of pirates, you know, growing up, I used to hear bedtime stories of, you know, Long John Silver, Blackbeard. <laughs> and then even I even got interested in pirates at one time because I researched them and I found that they were actually like the first entrepreneurs back in the day up until when the British government decided to outlaw them because they were making way more money than the British government was and so they now decided to say you guys are outlaws you guys are pirates essentially you know you're not you're not doing what we sent you guys out here to do so you say the learning pirate is supposed to be someone who's you know taking advantage of something that they're not actually supposed to know, right? Piracy mm-hmm. in terms of like taking the, uh, what I call it, the advance or what I call it, the side approach to doing something to getting a better result. So now talk a little bit more about how you apply this advantage to learning in a corporate perspective. Take, for example, for some of your corporate clients or some of your entrepreneurial clients who need to learn information rapidly because their jobs and their income are based on their ability to learn quickly, understand what they learn, and apply that to whatever they're doing. You know, it's interesting because one of um, and and one of the core values of Learning Pirate is patience. Okay. Because I think that people forget that you don't just learn instantly. Mm. It, it's not an instant. You know, I mean, you can learn something simply. You know, how to how to pour a glass of water or something. You know, that that's only limited skills. When we're entering into an environment where there is a lot of pressure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we're looking at the return on investment for learning what clients need to understand um, and what you know my clients through the education have learned is that you're investing in something that at first does not have tangibility okay you can't necessarily see or feel or touch learning in the sense but once that is implemented and once it's encoded into the brain that's when you get to see it and that's when you get your ROI back so I'll give you an example. Um, there was a client that I was working with. They had a, a, a very difficult situation. They were going through a divestiture. It was very ugly. There was a lot of liability. And they had less than eight months to separate from their former companies. 
and they had decided that they were going to implement a new ERP system uh, to, to take over their operations. And so they had bought this, this new technology and then they realized we have no one who knows how to use it. Mm. <laughs> so we need to find people who can help us and train us and, and, and do that. So I was called in. I'm not a technology expert, but um, I have worked in the tech sector. So I was called in as the L&D specialist to put together a learning plan to help them be completely separate from, from the other business within a very short period of time. Now, what I did was to very strategically, again, when I design a course now, when there's urgency, I'm really using those fundamentals of neuroscience to understand what can I put together? What do the learners already know? How is this going to have the most impact? Mm -hmm. What the, uh, the end goal is. Now with them, we decided, you know, that it was going to be very well worth it for, for me to sit, sit in and model and shadow everything that was going on from an implementation stance mm -hmm. and work with their people and my people to really put together a solid training plan. Okay. And what happened, we put together something beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And what we were looking at is that there were 20, 20 people who needed to be trained. This was in their IT sector. And they were looking to hire five more. Okay. And halfway through the project, they said, do you know what? We're going to go through, uh, you know, we're going to stop what we're doing right now. We're, we're going to move forward with something else. And I stopped and said, okay, I respect your decision. I respect your business decision. But that being said, so tell me what's going to happen to those 20 people mm -hmm. who don't know how to do their jobs when, when that, when October hits. And mm -hmm. I said, now what, I said, because you're unionized. So that adds another layer of complication. Mm -hmm. So, and they're, they're waiting out their pensions. They're not going to go anywhere. So you're going to have 20 people who are frustrated because they can't do anything mm -hmm. and they become incredibly disengaged. And then on top of it, you're going to have five new people that you're going to be bringing in mm -hmm. as opposed to being part of a team of 25, five people are going to be doing the work of 25. Mm. So I really sat back and said, I would like you to think about the strategy a little bit more because what, you know, people make decisions based out of, of fear. And this is, I noticed they were doing, they said, we, well, we want a safety net. We want to ensure. And I said, I respect that decision. Um, but you know, you can't, you, when you're talking about your business and you're talking about your human capital, take a moment and decide. Mm. And they actually, they went with another, with another, they went with their safety net and less than three months later, I get the call, hmm. which is, we really need you back. We need you. We, we understand. I think it's because they, they need to understand a little bit better the process of how this works. Mm -hmm. And they felt so safe with this out of, you know, with this, oh, these guys are going to be here, but then those guys are going to leave. Hmm. And my, my initiative was not just to create a training activity for their people, but I wanted to create a, what I call a training legacy, a learning legacy, which is you're not only learning what you need to learn for when you need to, but you're able to pass it on. You're able to keep growing it. You're able to have a living document where you're learning and you're growing and the legacy continues when those people walk out the door. Mm. The this is a big, big problem that we've seen in business in the past 25 years. Yeah. You know, in 2008, when we had all the recessions, People were being laid off in vast numbers and the knowledge was going with them. Mm -hmm. And all that learning was lost because there was no legacy to pass it on. Yeah. 
So that's a, a, probably the best example I can, I can give you of, of the value of choosing the right learning strategy mm. and, you know, and listening to people who are professionals in, in the work that we do. Mm. I love that story. And it resonates with me because when I was working corporate in New York City, there was a point where a lot of people, you know, left for better opportunities because, you know, the market had recovered in like 2013, 14, and there were just more room to get finance people. So you find a lot of people left and that learning that they had gained over the three, four, five years that they had been there. You know, there, there were some things that were automatic to a lot of people that, that were just not known by everybody else. And there was no way to codify and package that and say, hey, you know what, for the next person that comes in, you can just walk in and plug and play and, and you know what, things will go on. So that was lost. So I yeah. realized that, you know, yeah, you're right. There is a deficiency in every company's learning and developmental uh, plan and process so what other ways can you know learning experts in companies like um l and d leaders like you were in a company before what ways can they improve their learning and training systems so that they will not fall into the trap of you know what we train somebody that person walks out the door and yeah. then we have to train another person and of course it's going to take longer time to ramp ramp up the person to get up to speed yeah. And, you know, that's a big complaint is that people are worried that when they train their people that they are going to take that knowledge and, and walk out the door. Mm -hmm. But it's not because they got that knowledge. It's because there's something else happening within that environment. Mm. So when my, my, my greatest, you know, something that I would I would love for young entrepreneurs as well is like I was saying is don't look at learning as an activity that you yeah. just do when you need it. Okay. You know, in my ideal world, entrepreneurs would be building learning into their business plans right from the very beginning. Okay. So that's how you build the legacy. So that's number one is start to consider how learning is going to be part of your business. And it's not just for training and it's not just for, you know, the skills and knowledge aspect of it, but learning really is the greatest stimulation and the best way to keep your brain healthy. Mm. Really giving a value to not only your business, but you're valuing the people. Like we have to remember that, that we're working with human capital, mm -hmm. not all about computers and money. It's about humans that are doing all the work. Mm -hmm. So my first, my first, you know, like I said, is start looking at learning as more of a legacy tool rather than a function. So that would be my first advice to, to, you know, clients and to people out there who are leading teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, the next would be to recognize that you are dealing with humans. You're dealing with humans, and, and there's a lot of myths out there as to how we were learning before. Be open to understanding that if you're very engrossed and you're very valued in the work that you do, then you should logically understand that the brain is the key to learning. Okay. So implement, learn as much as you can. You know, I, I wouldn't say go to the extent as I do. I've now become, you know, the subject matter expert and mm -hmm. took me three years to do it. But learn from people like me who can transfer those skills to you. So learn how can we help you redesign your programs to make them even more effective, make them more efficient. Um, and then really do your due diligence when it comes to, to, to choosing a training plan or a learning plan that's going to work best for your business okay. and really be conscious of the fact that, you know, people talk about micro training and, and like yeah. various doses and quite honestly, you know, it's, 
there's not much a brain can learn in, in a matter of a few minutes and then actually hold on to it. Hmm. And the thing is, so I would say when people are, you know, when, when people who are looking for learning initiatives or training interventions, I would very much be questioning their vendors as to a, their methodologies, but I would definitely question retention. Okay. What are those methods that you're using to ensure retention? Because retention is really what it's all about. Yeah. And so retention and retrieval are the words that you really want to question. And if they don't have answers for that, then how are you supposed to accomplish your end goals? Mm. So from that level, I think those are my, my best sort of top three, three tips and advice is stop looking at training as an activity or a function, integrate it into your business and, and recognize the value not only to your business, but to the humans who are working for you. Mm. Um, and really make... Uh, make really good decisions and ask the right questions when you are, you know, trying to choose a solution. Mm, okay. And on this, on this topic also, now when we're talking about training, I'm not, I, I don't want to speak on just the uh, technical aspects of talking of training. I want to talk about, you know, other aspects of training that could be beneficial to employers and entrepreneurs and thought leaders, but they are not consciously thinking about it. Like take, for example, something like, you know, being able to think entrepreneurially, even though you're working in a corporate environment, being able to have a better communication skills, you know, a lot of companies, you know, they touch on it, but they don't kind of focus on it. So what about, you know, other training exclusive of, or outside of, you know, the technical skills that will make the professional be a better professional? That's a really great question. And, you know, it's a really hot question right now because we're talking about communication and leadership and soft skills and, and all of those things. What we're really dealing with when it comes to those topics is we're, we're really looking at behavioral change. Okay. And, you know, I'm, I'm very transparent. So I'm, I can say to you right now, it's the hardest one to accomplish. Okay. Once you get past a certain age, you know, once you're past 35, your personality is very much set in and those pathways that your the neurons in your brain have created, um, they're very strong. So in order to create new pathways, you have to work very hard at it. And again, this is something that I experimented with myself, um, you know, through various techniques. How can I be a better leader? What does it mean to be a better leader? Well, if I can't focus for more than a few minutes at a time, if I can't actively listen and respond appropriately to what somebody is saying to me, if I can't be sympathetic to the people in front of me, then I can't do all those other things. Now, what I will say, there are so many vendors out there who are doing these types of trainings. And I, when, when it comes to my fellow L and D people, I don't see anybody as competition. I see them as allies. It's, we need to be learning from each other. We need to be leveraging each other's strengths. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to those skills, I would say, you know, if there's a training company that is just focused and they've got professionals and experts on just leadership, mm -hmm. look, at them, look at them first, you know, because you'll, you might have a larger company that's got, they'll have tech, they'll have communication, they'll have soft skills, they'll have, but are they really experts in every single one of those? Mm. So find the experts and then work program out from there. But for everyone who's listening and you know, you're here for me, you can do some research on it. Behavioral change is very difficult. We're dealing with the internal structure of your brain mm -hmm. um, and changing the person that you've been for a very long time. Mm. 
So just, I think that would be my word of caution is that it's absolutely possible. There are different, there's different methodologies depending on what it is that you're looking to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, be ready, like, like my story, be ready to be challenged and frustrated. (laughs) I can tell you if you stick with it, it really is one of these things that pays off in in so many different ways Mm. because the one beautiful thing about learning is you can feel it. Mm. You feel learning gives you a vibrational change. It gives you a chemical change in your body that produces a feeling. And that feeling is worth chasing. Yeah. It is. It makes you feel wonderful. Nice. Nice. Fun. I just, that's my other thing. You'll never come to a session of mine where I'm, I'm lecturing or whether I am, you know, just up there talking too much. Um, fun is a huge part of the work that I do and hence the pirate part as well. Yeah. That's, you know, the tagline to learning pirate is merging the science of learning with the whimsical. And that's me. You come into a training session and or a workshop or whatever it is I'm doing, be prepared to laugh, to yarn, to get hands on and to walk out knowing that you've learned something. Uh, nice. So as we start to wind on the show, you've mm-hmm. been an entrepreneur, you know, you've lived in Japan, you've lived in Australia, you're born and raised in Canada. Tell us a little bit more about why you decided to make the GTA the hub of your business. Why did you decide to find your company to found your company in the GTA and then to reach out to companies in this area as well as to the world? There's no, you know, the, the fastest answer to that is there's no place like home, mm. you know, for all the years that, you know, um, that I was traveling, you know, I left, I left Toronto when I was 19 and I think at most I would come back for six, six months to eight months and then I'd be gone again and I would come back and I got, and, and this is my home and this is where I grew up and to see you know, how business has been expanding in Toronto to see how we've become a Mecca um, and, and the world is now paying attention to what's happening here is wonderful. Mm-hmm. We have ingenious young entrepreneurs working all over this city, coming up with brilliant ideas. And it's so important for me to obviously support the global community, but to also be representative of supporting my, you know, my home team, if yeah. you will. Um, so that was really important to me is helping the businesses within my community in Toronto. But I also wanted to be around, um, to share what I have learned and to pass on my knowledge to the next generation of entrepreneurs. Okay, nice. And looking at, you know, as a startup in the Toronto areas, are there any programs, any, um, tools or anything specific that can help other startup entrepreneurs or other young entrepreneurs that are launching businesses in this area to succeed and to grow? You know, one of the, one of the best sort of uh, tools, if you will, that I found was, you know, a lot of young entrepreneurs, uh, they find themselves working out of Starbucks or various coffee shops or libraries and that's all well. But what I would suggest is there are small workspaces that are popping up Mm -hmm. And I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm in one right now as, as we're chatting and the value of the interaction with various people on a day-to-day basis, the mm. value of people doing so many different things around you to give you perspective on what you're doing. And then to join a community where everyone is building their businesses and as an ability to help one another okay. it is absolutely phenomenal. So I'd say 
you know, you're going to meet random people when you're working out at, you know, when you're working at the coffee shop or whatnot, but to be part of a community Mm -hmm. and workspace where you've got so many different brains and so many different businesses and perspectives, it's the best tip that I can give is don't isolate yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Take advantage of the the brain power that's around you. Mm, Great. And my final question for the show before we wind up is, you know, what advice do you have for people that are trying to start up or starting up and are struggling with their business and trying to find their first client, second client, you know, trying to just, you know, get that foothold and say, you know what, yes, this business that I'm thinking of starting or that I have started is viable and I think it's something that can go the distance. What's what's some words of wisdom for someone in that um, situation? I think, you know, it, it was something that, that I just learned myself, which is you're really great at what you do. But there's going to be things that you're not so great at. Mm. Don't focus on those. Don't worry about what you can't do. Focus on being wonderful at what you can do. Mm. That itself will sell. If you can articulate what you do and if you can actually show people the value in what you do, then don't don't take your time and your energy. Like for I'll give you the quick example. Social media is not really a thing with me. I've just I just joined Twitter. It's like I, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like I'm the dinosaur of Twitter. <laughs> I, <laughs> And I would, you know, it's something that gave me a little bit of anxiety because Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't really know much about the social media. And then I thought, well, I can sit here and stress about it and think about it for days on end, or I can put all my focus and and power into the thing that I do really great. And by doing that, I've met people like you. (laughs) I have met, you know, wonderful people who can really own in that. And through those interactions with these wonderful people, I'm finding those who can help me. Mm social media who can help me with the things that I'm not so great at. So my best advice to the young entrepreneurs is don't get, you know, like what they say is don't sweat the small stuff, Mm. get, you'll, you'll earn the money. You'll be able to buy the small stuff. (laughs) 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 Focus in on what you're great at. Great. And with that said, we're at the end of the show. Lauren, it's been a pleasure talking to you for the past 45 minutes, learning your story, getting your words of wisdom, and of course, understanding how we can be better learners and better entrepreneurs by understanding the way the brain learns. So thanks for coming on to share your story with us and the rest of the listeners on the GTA Business Titans podcast. Thank you so much. And I'd say yard for now. That's it, people. Another fantastic episode of the GTA Business Titans podcast. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast today and got some great info out of it, don't be stingy. Share with a friend and leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Also, if you need any help with your online marketing needs, feel free to reach out to me at www.odogwu.com. That's www.odogwu.com. Or you can email me on info, I-N-F-O, at odogwu.com. Or you just hit me up on this uh, GTA Business Titles podcast website and I'll be sure to respond to you. We help local businesses get more leads and sales from the internet using tools like Facebook advertising, Instagram ads, landing pages, website creation, online funnels, and so much more. So if you want to turn clicks into customers, there's only one name to call in the GTA and that's Chiodogu at www.odogwu.com. Till next time, guys. Be a titan, be great, make something great happen in your life today. Bye.